This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey, good morning, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be. It's lovely, at least here in L.A., lovely morning. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio and on Instagram Live. Here for you, here for your pets, here to answer questions, anything you may want to know about your pets, but we're afraid to ask. Remember, coming up, come on up on Monday, tomorrow is Halloween, so we're going to just touch on some of those things as well. Anyway, I already had a couple of questions coming in, so we're going to talk about those as well. Those of you here at Pet Life Radio, a couple of ways to get a hold of me. One, the good old-fashioned toll-free phone call, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Or better yet, join me here live on Pet Life Radio. You go to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Shows, scroll down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and there's a link left for you there by our producer, Mark, and bring you right on the show. And that is telemedicine at its finest. I get to do that air vet all the time, is talk live to people with their pets. And you know, it's amazing. I always say this. You know, when you say a picture is worth a thousand words, a video is worth a hundred thousand words. Sometimes just looking at that pet, watching its movement, watching its expressions, its excitement, its whatever degree of energy, I can tell so much about how sick or not that pet really is. So a couple of good questions here. And let's go to the first one while I'm waiting for you here at Pet Life Radio to ask away. And that is, the question is, uh, what age should I feed puppies? So puppies usually are nursing for four weeks. We talk about they wean at four weeks. So by four weeks for sure, you could start feeding them some solid food. I don't mean solid like crunchy food. They have no teeth yet. I mean food like baby food or mush or canned food. Is something you can put in a blender and let them lap it up. Because remember, they've been nursing. And also you can give them water at this point because they have to learn that the process of using their tongues to lap up the food. And so you can do that with some soft food. You can either give it to them in a syringe, you can put it on your finger and put it in their mouths, put it right in their face, they'll lick it off. And you can even start that with really soft food, usually at three to three and a half weeks as well. But by four weeks, most puppies are ready to be weaned. And interestingly, once they wean and they start to continue to develop, many of them start becoming lactose intolerant. So they were doing great on mom's milk or on some sort of formula like an Espelac, but that could change. So uh, anyway, just know that. But start early, small amounts at a time. And the reason why I like to do it a little earlier, if you can, like with a week, half a week earlier, is that that way they're still being supplemented. So if they don't take to it very well at first, they're still getting the nursing. They're still getting the mom's milk and there's nursing on mom or on a bottle. So it just sort of eases them in a little bit more comfortably. But in answer to your question, that's when you should start. Usually it's around four weeks of age. My optimum food. So, well, so for those of you who, who know, and obviously, as Georgia here does know, that I had a food called Optimum. We loved it. It was a raw diet that went through both processes that I feel are safe for raw diets. One is HPP, high pressure pasteurization. And the other one is freeze-dried. This was a freeze-dried food that when then high pressure pasteurized, then every single batch was cultured for bacteria and it was great. So the problem is the company that sort of wanted to have a foray, an entree into the veterinary world 
the pet world reached out to me and they were coming from the human side. And, you know, to grow a brand new food or to grow anything really takes a lot of time and effort and money. And it was just not moving fast enough for them. So we very, very amicably parted ways. They took on another line, which was the human side. I think they realized that to be a human company and get into the pet world is not so easy. So they basically passed up on us. We are thinking of going into a or getting another company that might work with us. As we know, the food is great. And it's also just, you know, any freeze dried food and any of our competitors can tell you it's an expensive proposition as far as the process of the manufacturing process. And therefore, it's pretty costly. It's pricey to buy. And I think we ran into some obstacles there as well. But thank you so much for acknowledging that you apparently did like the food. My dogs love the food, but we're kind of toying around. I am coming back with another product line, however. So stay tuned. And by the way, if you have, I have a lot of product left. So if you're interested at all in uh, Dr. Jeff Weber's Jeff Weber Pets, we have some good stuff. You can reach out to me. Uh, once again, my two-in-one conditioning shampoo is unbeatable, as is my skin and coat emollient spray, my ear cleaner. We have product that we would love to you know, allow you to buy very inexpensively, very competitive. So anyway, just reach out to me. And um, so is it coming back, my food? We hope so. We, in some way, shape, or form, we're working on it. But you know, it's really, it's tough. But I will tell you, there's some other ones out there. George, you can reach out to me here on Instagram, and I will give you a couple of recommendations of what we we considered some of our top competitors. I also freeze-dried um, HPP, and um, I think a lot of people like it. And I have to take this with a grain of salt, as Bethany, who is, happens to be my sister, says, my co-conditioner is the best. Yes, I agree. Not just because She's not saying just because I'm a brother. It happens to be a phenomenal product. While we're waiting for other questions, I have, as you know, I've perused the news and I have um, a bunch of stuff we can talk about. So here we go. This is interesting. Pets exposed to illicit drugs are often going to need treatment. So keep that in mind. In um, some of the illicit drugs, the incidences of these pets that have gotten a hold of drugs that they were not supposed to rose 60% last year, according to the ASPCA. And what do you think the biggest culprit was? And he guesses, I'm sure you know, marijuana. It's unbelievable. So that was number one. And also amphetamines, believe it or not, cocaine, opioids, methamphetamines also seen. And early treatment really is the key to survival. So if you even remotely think, and I can't tell you how many times a dog will come in, it just reeks. I don't mean just that the smell reeks, just the history looking at the dog of marijuana toxicity. So I, I questioned them, it's usually kids. And, um, and they said, and they said oh, no, no, no. And then finally they break down because I say this, I got to tell you, this is marijuana toxicity. And I really need to know because how I treat it is going to be dependent on what it is. Finally, they break down and I say, okay, but you can't, you can't tell my mom, you can't tell. And they're so nervous about it. But anyway, the problem is that what's so popular now, yeah, people you know smoke and they blow it and they take the bong and they blow it into the dog's faces because they think it's cute. I think it's stupid, but it is what it is. But now it's the edibles. So they make these brownies, the old good old-fashioned Alice B. Tokas brownies, and they make the chocolate chip cookies and the candies, whatever it is. So we know, you know, you take one of those little edible gummies, you know, five milligrams can knock you on your behind, right? Well, they're not going to take one if they have access to the container. They're, they're cleaning you out. So, and the, the plate of brownies, what, what, take a brownie or half a brownie? They're taking the whole thing. So that's why um, we get so, you know, many of these cases. But anyway, really be careful. And if, if it should happen to you, 
and you are a younger person who is worried about the ramifications of your responsibility for your pet getting high on any kind of medication. Suck it up. Tell your doctor the truth because the success of treatment is going to be predicated upon knowing what the toxin was, when it was given, how much possibly was given, and that makes a huge difference. So anyway, just so you know. And um, okay, next up, that this is good. You know, this is what I really like and how years and years ago, when I started practice, veterinarians and veterinary medicine took the back seat. In other words, we would wait and we would steal, if you will, modalities, treat modalities based on the human side. We really didn't do as much research on our own, and that's changing. Now, we are at the forefront of much research that is then bleeding into the human side. So veterinary research now, it plays a tremendous role in the success of human treatment modalities. And uh, anyway, this is really cool. Some new canine cancer studies may lead to human immunotherapies. So there are new treatments, trials that are developing immunotherapies and biomarkers for both species, all right? And so it's cool stuff. So now what's happening is the results of this research coming from the veterinary world can also is going to probably help human cancers as well. And that's immunotherapy. And it's so interesting because one of my mentors, I may have spoken to this about this before, Dr. Barbara Kitchell, she's, I mean, amazing. She's double boarded in internal medicine, veterinary internal medicine, veterinary oncology, medical oncology. And then she was, my, I actually had her for my internal medicine rotations at vet school at Davis. She was doing her residency at the time and also for oncology. Then years later, as a practitioner, pretty much specializing in oncology, she went to Stanford, that's how stupid she is, for a PhD in comparative oncology. And after her PhD, I saw her at a conference and I said, Barb, what did you learn the most? I mean, how exciting is that? And she goes, you know what we learned the most? How little we know about cancer. It's true. But what she did say, and we are seeing this, the ultimate attack on a cancer is going to be coming from the body, the person, the, the, the patient's own body. It's immunotherapy, stimulating the immune system, that patient's own immune system to attack that cancer. And that's why we're seeing so much research right now in immunotherapy. And I agree, that's where it's coming from. I think it's a little early for this, but it's so important that we're going to talk about it twice. And then we're going to go to a break. And that is, it's starting to cool down, even though I know I'm not complaining. Sitting here in Southern California, it's going to be 70 plus degrees today. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's gorgeous. I'm going to go to the Rams game today uh, at SoFi Stadium. And, uh, I mean, and even I got invited to a pregame. It was a, it's a VIP tailgating party uh, at the rooftop of the NFL building right by SoFi Stadium. So uh, that's pretty cool. Anyway, we are seeing temperatures change. In fact, spoke to a friend of mine in Utah, and I'm going to be in Park City uh, in March. And uh, already, already they've gotten two little minor snowstorms. It, it was October. It's crazy. So they're expecting, I hope so, a lot of snow this year. But just reminding you, that just as we had precautions, depending on where you are in the country during the hot summer months, the same goes for the cold winter months. And that is dogs can get frostbite. Dogs can get, cats can get hypothermia. So um, it's very important that if you have to have them outside, if you can't bring them in, make sure they have shelter, especially in areas where wind chill plays a major role in bringing that temperature down. And you hear it all the time. You know, it could be, you know, zero degrees, but with wind chill, it's minus 18. And so they have to have shelter from the wind. They have to have some a heated blanket, something they can lie down on, some way to make sure that the water bowl doesn't freeze over into a huge ice cube. 
And there are things, there are bowls you can get that have like an antifreeze on the inside. There's like a, a double lining and they have a central area where they have antifreeze and that helps prevent the water from freezing over. And one thing, just a warning about cats, uh, especially out, well, outdoor cats. Obviously, my cats are all indoors. They don't have to worry about a thing. They have the life. But outdoor cats, where do they find warmth sometimes? They've learned that when a car pulls up under the hood on top of the engine block, it's warm for several hours. So what they do is they go under the car, they jump up on the engine block, and they find a nice cuddly spot, all right? And then what happens is you go to your car in the morning and start the engine, and that fan belt and that cat freaks out. And I can't tell you how many cats those of us veterinarians have seen over the years that were badly, badly beaten up by a, a fan belt or killed. So what I recommend, if you live in an area where it gets that kind of snow, that when you approach your car in the morning, bang on that hood a couple of times. That'll hopefully wake up the cat. The cat will, you know, scurry away. But it's it's a really sad sight to see. So um, for that, you want to be really careful. Anyway, it is halfway through our show. Um, I'm expecting more questions. So send me some questions, and I will be back after these short messages uh, here on Pet Life Radio and on Instagram Live with Dr. Jeff. Don't go away. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Uh, how back? I'm, I'm just talking about real quick. One of my very, very, very long-term clients, who I've not seen in a long time, is on Instagram Live. And so this argument I had with my boss was, look, in any given day, yes, you might generate more revenue than I will. But let me tell you something. After 10 years, and now it's 20, and now it's 30, and almost 40, I can almost guarantee my clients will still be my clients. And it's not about today. It's not about this week. It's about the lifetime of the pet a lifetime of the relationship. And Rhonda, it's a, a great example, thank you very much, that someone who was with me at the very beginning still you know, kind of stays in touch. And um, anyway, I much appreciate it. Thank you very much. It helped me prove my point. And yes, I remember taking care of your baby. I, mean, that, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I know it was a long time ago. So, okay. Sandy won't let me brush her teeth. Is Breitbart triple enzymatic toothpaste good enough? I'm not familiar with it, but I'm going to have to show you. There's a trick. And I, you know, maybe one time next week, maybe I'm going to have one of my pets with me and I will demonstrate how a good way to brush pet's teeth, because this is a real big problem. It happens so much. 
that people don't know. Dental sticks are good. Chews are good. Water additives are good. But nothing replaces brushing teeth. Nothing is going to get that plaque away better than toothbrushing. And one of the things I find is that when you go with a brush or you go at them, they object. But I'm going to show you a way that putting the pet on your lap, him facing away from you. He's your, so his head's here. On, you know, his head is facing you. The back of his head is facing you. His face is pointing in the same way you're pointing. And you come up from behind him and start massaging just like this. And then you go back and that from behind and they let you do it. And then you make him a treat. And then once they get used to it, you can actually put one of those finger brushes on with the bristle, the real toothbrush bristles and do start doing the same thing. Very effective. And they will let you do it. And as I said, I demonstrate this to so many people in the office and they go, I can't, I can't believe it. It's like, you know, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. That makes a difference. Anyway, we had a good question here about over-vaccinating from Max's Pet Wash. What do you think about over-vaccination? So first of all, as I've said before, I am not against vaccine, but I am against over-vaccinating and I am against giving vaccines to dogs where the risk of the disease you are vaccinating against is either next to zilch or the risk of the vaccine is worse than getting the disease. For example, to give a dog in my area Lyme disease vaccine, all right, is a waste because they're not getting Lyme disease. We don't see it here, okay? To give a dog a coronavirus vaccine, I'm not talking about a COVID corona or an FIP, which also is, is a terrible vaccine, but I'm talking about the dog, the canine corona is like a 24-hour stomach flu. Yet, for dogs that might have a sensitivity, they're getting the adjuvant. They're getting the preservative. That is what's going to cause the reaction. Is it worth it for a 24-hour stomach flu? Heck no. Now, so, and also the frequency of vaccine. Another example, let's take Bordetella. If you have a dog that frequents doggy daycare, a dog park, and they're there several times a week, uh, then yes, six-month Bordetella might be indicated. But if your dog is just going out for walks in the neighborhood, doesn't go to those, like my dogs, I have five. They go to daycare every day in my backyard. So they don't go out. They're not playing. They're always, it's their five. The only time they get out and might, they're not even that social. So they don't like to play with other dogs. I do take two of my dogs to a friend's house occasionally and they play with his dog. It's, it's so adorable. But mostly they are not exposed. So therefore they get their Bordetella only once a year. And I just... FYI, the Bordetella is the kennel cough shot. And I hate to use that term, at least here in LA. Why? Because of our outdoor lifestyle. They are, dogs are everywhere. You can take a walk on Rodeo and Beverly Drive. You can go to the Grove. You can go to the Third Street Promenade. They are everywhere. So if you frequent those places, your dog is exposed. So I call it live in LA cough. Go to the dog park cough. Go to the Grove cough. Go to, it's not just kennel cough anymore. So keep that in mind. So the Bordetella shot every six months to a year, again, depending on lifestyle. Let's talk lepto, leptosporosis. Had a big scare here in, in the Santa Monica area, West LA, about a year ago, but we don't see that much anymore. So again, when we're not, and oh, by the way, lepto, the reason why I stopped using it as a routine vaccine, which was part of the distemper parvo, it was the DA2PPL or DA2PP, distemper adenotype 2, Parainfluenza parvo. It was the DA2PP. And then you could also get the L, lepto. I stopped using it. Why? Because most of our city dogs are not exposed. Now, if you hike into the canyons, if you go into mountains, if you do a backpacking, 
and you're going to have a lot of wild rodents that might be shedding the bacterium, then yes, you want to get the lepto vaccine. But I will warn you that the vaccine, the single most, uh, the vaccine that I see the most reactions to, and I mean, almost like people that got a COVID reaction was coming from lepto. So that's why I don't like to use it unless it's it's indicated, really indicated. So anyway, so that's what you need to to know is that is that I, as far as over vaccinating, yes, I'm not I'm or I should say I'm not a fan. Yes, I am not a fan of over vaccination. But I am I still think vaccines are essential. If it's the right vaccine at the right frequency for the right pet based on lifestyle and the prevalence of diseases in your area. So what might be core, a core vaccine in LA, it might be different from uh, like Chicago or New York. In fact, let's speak New York for a second. Hats in California are not required to have a rabies vaccine. Most states do require even for cats. Now I look at this, uh, you have a, an indoor cat. What's the likelihood of an indoor cat getting rabies? Zero. Yeah, they may get out once. No, I'm, I'm talking about the two diseases that, that are often used for feline vaccines are FELV, feline leukemia vaccine, and rabies. They're not going to get it. So why, why vaccinate? But would cats get the feline vaccine-induced sarcoma? Feline vaccine. F, it's the FVIS, feline vaccine-induced sarcoma. It's a cancer. And with the two vaccines most often implicated in this cancer, are rabies and leukemia. So why give it? And for cats that are outdoor cats that need it, where do we give vaccines now for all cat vaccines? We give them in a leg. I prefer a hind leg. Some people give it in the shoulder, the front leg. Why? So in case they get FVIS, so that they can be treated by amputating the leg. We used to give them in the trunk. Can't amputate the trunk. So they were a goner because of a vaccine. So that's why I'm very, very sensitive about vaccines the right ones, the right amounts, the right frequency for the right pet and the right location, then I'm for vaccines. Hope that answers your question. Peeling a cat when they won't let you near her. Oh boy. Well, that's tough. And that is an art. As a matter of fact, that's why we were all so thrilled when the Convenia injection, which was a an antibiotic, a cephalosporin, third or fourth generation cephalosporin antibiotic, hit the market. It's a single shot, good for 14 days of antibiotics. Why? For cats, especially because they are tough. They are tough for veterinarians to pill. It really is tough to, to pill a cat. It's an art. Again, it's something I can have to demonstrate. And even with demonstration, even with it, they are really tough. Trust me, I've had all of us. I don't think there's a veteran on the planet that is going to ever tell you cat pills, piece of cake. It's not going to happen. They are not a piece of cake. So anyway, but maybe I'll, Rhonda, I will uh, try to do a demo on that one too now at one point in the future. Oh, thank you so much. Wish I was in New York. You know what? I'm from New York originally, but we moved to California in 1962. Uh, my dad was an actor and decided to pick up the crew and move to California. And uh, but I still I still go back. I have a lot of family in New York. But there's some there's some good vets in New York too. If you uh, reach out to me, I'll I'll give you some names. Ah, okay. This is a good. So let's go back to Max's pet pet wash. And he's and he's right. I hear clients at boarding places ask for all vaccines, but they don't want to give it to them. So here's the thing. The ones that the boarding facilities usually require are going to, in addition to the core, which for me is the temper parvo, bordetella, and, and, and rabies when, when it's required by law, is the influenza and the lepto. Influenza, I can get it only because we are seeing more and more cases of influenza, and it is a respiratory virus. And again, from the business side of things, I kind of get it. They have to shut down for at least two weeks, and that's their business. So 
why assume the risk when if they just say, you know what, we don't love it either, but we, we have to have it because if a, an animal comes in and gives it to others, then we, we have to shut down. And I, I, I just can't afford to shut down. So influenza. Lepto might be a little different. You know, what, what you could do is a suggestion is say, you know what, when you're planning a boarding facility in advance, say, you know what, I will get a lepto tighter and show that my dog does not have lepto. And, and just know that the risk of, of lepto for your dog to get it if another dog, so that's what they're looking at. Your, your dog might be fine. But if I don't have some sort of policy in place, then the other dog might give it. And then your dog, which is not protected, might get it. So it's a tough one. It really is. You know, just like, look, I wouldn't require a board of tele. I think this is just, uh, it's something that you kind of have to put up with. If you're going to frequent that place, it might be, it might be safe just to be better safe than sorry, as they say. So, all right. A lot of you joined. Thank you so much. Give me some questions. Give me some questions. All right. So let me uh, finish up here. We have, oh, we're already over time, but you know, Mark, can you give me another minute? Okay, good. I got the thumbs up. So this is a sad story. Inflation is definitely taking a bite out of your budgets. I know that nationwide it's taking a toll and many owners have therefore cut back on food subscriptions. That means special diets on prescription medications, on boarding and daycare, and even veterinary care. So there's a company, there's a, a list called Red Rover. Red Rover lists state and national organizations that might be able to help. So those of you that might be having some difficulties and also talk to your veterinarian. I mean, there are some things that, you know, maybe can be worked out. So, and uh, let's see. Oh, this is really cute. I'm going to end with this one and I'm going to save the next ones, which are also really good. Uh, oh, also talk about budgets, just so you know. This is not what I want to talk about, but I'm going to add this one anyway. Thanksgiving turkey prices have gone up about 14%. The amount of influenza, the influenza virus has gone up 14%, leading to a 20% increase in the price of turkeys for this Thanksgiving. So just so you know, be prepared to spend a little bit more on your turkeys this year because of avian influenza has taken a tremendous toll on turkeys. They say, listen to this. About 6 million turkeys have either died or had to be culled because of avian influenza. That's a big drop nationwide. So anyway, just keep that in mind. What I wanted to say, I do it all the time. People think I'm not. In fact, I am so good at it now that when I do it in an exam room, the owner will say, oh my God, I, I never heard him do that. I said, no, that was me. I learned how to talk cat. And this is a great story. So if you ever talk cat to your cat, I can do pretty well. Anyway, indoor cats, all right, basically will move their heads and ears more in response to their owners, their owners speaking cat, but not so much a stranger. It tells you that their hearing, their hearing is like a dog's nose and they can actually detect the difference in tone. We don't, sounds the same to us, but they can hear it and they get used to their owner's kitty talk and they won't respond to a stranger's kitty talk. So obviously it tells that they actually bond more closely with the people in their houses. So uh, I guess I'm gonna keep doing it because I've learned a number of, I can have a conversation with a cat. I think actually I did an Instagram a reel. I, I was having a conversation with a dog and we were talking back and forth. It was really cute. So that's one thing. That's the skill of being a good veterinarian is learning how to talk to the pets. All right, anyway, with that, have a great week, everybody. Have a very safe Halloween. Any leftover candy, any leftover candy, keep it away from your pet. And you can send it to me, care of Value Vet West Wonders. Um, <laughs> I, 
I'm a candy nut. I have to, I have to be. It, it's really hard for me not to eat it. So I usually buy things now that I don't like. So if there's anything left over, I'll take it to work. All right. But have a safe Halloween. Keep the pets safe. Keep them indoors. Keep them away from kids with those funny costumes and funny masks. And if you take your dogs with you, make sure they are well-behaved and their costume doesn't impede them. It doesn't cover their eyes. And uh, have some fun. And we'll see you here next Sunday. Same bat time, same bat channel here on Instagram Live, on Pet Life Radio. And thanks for doing Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.